Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I don't know if you guys liked the show from earlier today, but uh, luckily we've got this one too. Regular old recap show. The usual. Winter break for the children continues. I've got one kid, just a room and a half over there, playing Minecraft on a TV. Let's hope that that holds him for a little bit. If not, we'll get a visitor partway through the show. Tomorrow, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. I don't talk about, I mean, I, you know, like once a week, I come on this thing and I say something about my personal life. I can't stop myself completely. It's just a, it's a habit. It's built in at this point. You guys are going to have to deal with it. Sorry. Anywho, um, thank you for all of the comments, all of the engagement on these shows. Um, we have seen a nice little bump in subscribers over the last week or so. I feel like uh, the fact that folks are uh, getting involved on the shows a little bit more might have something to do with it. Honest to God, I have no idea. I don't know how any of this works. But please do like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. You guys know the drill at this point. And uh, we can go ahead and dive in here momentarily. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. That's the first thing. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Those of you that are new to the proceedings, please find me over on social media at Dan Vespers. It's right there on your screen if you're watching. If you're listening on the traditional pod channels, it's at D-A-N-B-E-S. B-R-I-S. Yes, I did clear 20,000 yesterday. Yes, it meant more to me than it should have. So thank you, everybody, for making that possible. It's super weird, honestly, because uh, a few years ago, I was at like five or six and thought, this is sweet, man. I didn't, like, I got got some clout in the fantasy. And now this is, and it's just like, what is this thing? And, you know, I've had... uh, run-ins with people that actually know me in the real world. Technically, there were two. um, Because there was one that's actually a parent at my kid's preschool, and he was like, I actually follow you from a burner account because I don't want anybody in my leagues to know where I get my information. And it reminded me of how difficult it is to have success uh, in this particular field because... In a perfect world, you'd be able to get to one person in a league, and then that person would tell 11 other people. But no one wants to tell anybody about where they get their fantasy info for fear that they then lose their edge. How the hell do I get over that hump? I have no idea. Someone in the chat room asked how old my kids are. Uh, Three and seven. The three-year-old is actually at like a weird little mini camp. One of his friends from preschool, their mom set up a, a pod for this the first four days of this week which was absolutely freaking glorious, literally will pay any price to have the little dude out of the house for half the day. Because big guy, he can play a video game, he can watch a movie, he can read a book, he can do Legos, all these things that can keep him occupied. Like they hit, those of you with with kids, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, you're nodding, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as Dan says these things. But those of you that either have very young kids or none, you're like, what the bleep are we even talking about here? Kids basically hit an age at which they become semi-autonomous. They still need you for basically everything, but if you're just like, you, go do crap for 40 minutes, they can do it. But prior to that age, there's never a second where you can leave them. 
they'll either get hurt or they'll draw on a wall or they'll throw a bag of jelly against your TV screen. Like, there's all the things. Anywho. Um, here's a fun one at the front end of the show also before we dive into the box scores. This is basketball-related. What is your favorite landing spot for Zach Levine, or when do you think he'll come back? It's actually two different people were asking about Zach Levine. It's a great question. Um, if he's not traded at the end of this little four-week shutdown, I think they shut him down for longer. And, you know, maybe I'm off base on that. I don't think I am. He hasn't played since November 28th, so we're at a little over three weeks of the shutdown. Um, two days ago, I think Billy Donovan was like, yeah, 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 he's going to be back in, in that like three to four week timeline. We'll see. He's not, it doesn't sound like he's all that close. You know, he's not practicing. I think he's mostly just like jogging at this point. So I don't think Levine's coming back to the Bulls anytime soon. Maybe I'm way off. I could be way off. Maybe he shows up next week, but I don't think so. So then in terms of landing place, it's probably going to be whatever team seems the most desperate. The nice thing about a guy like Levine is that he'll basically be fine no matter where he goes because it's not like he's going to go someplace that's going to use him as like a sixth option. He's going to go someplace where he's probably going to be a second or third, kind of like what he was in Chicago. I would argue who's the second option for the Bulls behind DeMar DeRozan. Basically for the last, what, two and a half seasons? Guys, I have trouble remembering how many years players have been in specific spots. So let's let's take last year as a point of example, or a point of reference. Levine took 18 shots a game for Chicago. He was number 48 in nine cat leagues, mostly because good percentages, decent scoring, you know, decent threes, some assists, some rebounds, not a lot. And, you know, steals and blocks are kind of meh. And wherever he goes, he'll probably do, like, kind of what he's been doing so far this year, which was a little bit less than that, 16 and a half shots per game. But I'd be pretty blown away if a team was like, hey, Zach Levine, come join our club. You get a dozen shots. It's probably going to be 16, 17 shots a day. A, a day. And if that's the Lakers, because that's the rumor we heard yesterday... Uh, then he replaces D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura is, is the latest that we heard. He'd immediately go into the starting five. You'd probably see, my guess would be Gabe Vincent would also slide into the starting five. He's not a guy that needs many shots, and they'd use him more for sort of defense, ball movement. Levine, LeBron, AD, those guys would have trouble all trading off in the first unit, but then there'd be a rotation. Same thing if he ends up in Miami presumably the Bulls would be asking for Tyler Hero back. They probably wouldn't get him at this point because Levine's contract is kind of an albatross. Uh, but he'd get plenty of shots. You know, he's not going to go someplace and get 14 shots. I don't know what other landing places are even being thrown. Or the Knicks is another one that's going out. I don't think they're going to do it. Um, that's probably my least favorite of them. But there's there's opportunity for him to basically do what he's already done which should put him in the 50 to 80 range somewhere on a nine-cap basis. So I'm not super worried about it. Um, that's my thought on uh, on Zach Levine. But let's go ahead and get into the business of uh, actual recap stuff. I know we got a little sidetracked, and the Bulls do come up later on in today's show, so it's, you know, it's not all the way off base. But anyway, um, lots of injury stuff that's breaking this morning, which is somewhat surprising given that like, 
games are still a long way off, but it's a pretty busy Thursday by all accounts. It's an eight gamer. I like eight gamers, actually. It's one of my favorite game quantity numbers. I love sevens and eights because they're enough to keep us occupied, but not overwhelming. In any event, uh, again, please take a moment to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Find me on social at Dan Bespris. Let's dive in now. Charlotte got blown out in Indiana. Hey, guys, I have an idea for the Hornets. How about you guys fire and then rehire Steve Clifford? That's going great for you. The Gordon Hayward uh, very brief sell bubble popped before we even had an opportunity to capitalize on it. Nick Richards is still a fine fill-in. I know he only played 19 minutes, but this game was over pretty early, so don't worry about that. And uh, Terry Rozier is also still a big-time sell-high guy, but we can kind of shoot past Charlotte because there wasn't anything of note there. Over on the Indy side, this game was over early, so nobody cleared 29 minutes for the Pacers. Halliburton was at 28, Bruce Brown was at 28, Buddy Heald was at 26, uh, Miles Turner was at 25. They were all pretty much able to do their sweet, sweet fantasy business before that, although Bruce Brown is, in my opinion, a schedule play. That's where he's settled now. Aaron Neesmith is probably the only real story in this because you guys aren't dropping Buddy Heald, or you certainly shouldn't be as long as he's in the starting lineup. Yeah, he's inconsistent. That's Buddy Heald. He's been inconsistent his whole damn career. Aaron Neesmith, 6 of 6, shooting 3 of 3 at the free throw line. Obviously, that inflates the numbers. I'm not starting him on the Roto side, but I do think he makes sense as a head-to-head level uh, level dude. So I'm okay with that play as well. And I also realize that this complicates podcast listening because I'm giving you different guys for different scenarios, but I need you to try to do your best to stick with me on this. Miami beat Orlando on the road without Jimmy Butler. The Magic have, um, I'd say not surprisingly, kind of leveled off after a really fast start. They're still in a, in good shape at 16-10. and 10, But remember, they had that, what, nine-game winning streak. They've lost three in a row now, struggling at on the road. In particular, this was a rare home loss for Orlando. I think we kind of knew that they would come back to the pack a little. So don't be surprised if the Magic... I say lose more than they win the rest of the year, but the pace they were on was kind of an unsustainable one. As far as the Magic go in this ballgame, we'll work backwards here instead of the visitors first. We'll go home team first. They got Wendell Carter Jr. back. He played 23 minutes. He's not a good nine-cat dude. He doesn't get any defensive stats. Saw it here in this ballgame again. Field goal percent will be decent. He scores some, but not all that much. He's mostly a rebounding and field goal percent guy, which you kind of need, like, one more thing to be your thing. He doesn't have that third thing. So points leagues, you can add him. He'll ramp up to 30 minutes a game. He'll get you points and boards, and that's usually enough to sort of clear the point league threshold. Nine cat, I don't think so. It does push Goga Batadze and Mo Wagner back into their sort of split backup duties. That's not going to do... And then otherwise, no real surprises. Um, Magic were... So they had some lineups that were doing better than others, so they rolled with those. So you saw a couple of the starters see fewer minutes. Jalen Suggs' minutes were down, and now he's questionable with a left wrist injury that kind of popped up. I think that actually popped up overnight. Cole Anthony, obviously going to do more anytime that there's additional space in the backcourt. And that's kind of it for the Magic side. The Heat are... I don't want to say annoying, but a little annoying in that Jimmy Butler was out for this game. Tyler Hero and Bam are back. They have been for two games now. And it just, like, none of the streamers really 
made sense in the way that you'd expect. Haywood Highsmith ended up with the best streaming game, but you're not going to try him. Josh Richardson and Duncan Robinson were each okay from a streaming standpoint, but you're probably not going to go their direction because Jay Rich, you need to make sure he's going to get a bunch of shots. Same story with Robinson, and you can't really guarantee that right now. Cade LaMartin only got 18 minutes, so he's not going to do. I thought Kyle Lowry would play okay, but he only got 18 minutes also. Hell, I don't, I mean, I, I may Hakez played 34 minutes, but didn't really do much with them. So I'm inclined to say, looking at the next ball game, Hakez got the start. So did Lowry. So did Caleb Martin. So if you're choosing someone, it probably needs to be from one of those three. But on the Roto side against the games cap, I don't know that I'm doing any of them. I feel like I would trust Lowry the most. And then he went and played 18 minutes. So I would have gotten that one very wrong. Maybe best to just watch. Don't have to stream somebody on the Heat. We don't have to do anything. Well, Joel Embiid uh, is a force. Phillies 19-8. and eight. They win at home. They win on the road. Actually, one of the better road teams in the NBA. Not the point here. They were at home for this ballgame. But Embiid is, is not guardable. You know, he's like prime James Harden, but he's seven feet right now because... He, he simply cannot be guarded without fouling. It's, it's Shaq-like, honestly. And I don't know if the league is going to have to change some rules or change the way he's officiated because it makes for pretty ugly basketball. He's an incredible basketball player. I mean, he's 25 shots, 18 free throws. His usage was ridiculous in this ballgame. And he scored 50, 51, technically, line of the night for Embiid, and he's just rolling these days. Catching up with Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the nine-cap board. Pretty incredible season for Joel. Uh, but it is at times kind of hard to watch. That's the honest-to-goodness truth. Still, from a fantasy standpoint, uh, what do we got here? Um, Jaden McDaniels had a pretty good ball game for Minnesota. Meh. I don't really bring myself to care all that much about that. They the Philly was trying to guard him with a guard just to see if they could sort of hide. I think Maxi was on him for a bunch, and McDaniel's like, you know what? I'm big enough to do something about this, but it's just not going to happen every night. So don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry about Mike Conley. That was just you know they tried other stuff. The things I think you need to pay attention to on the Minnesota side, um, mostly is Nas Reed starting to cool off because remember he's a stream while warm guy or. Was this just, this is what happens if you're a big man and you got to deal with Joel Embiid for any stretch of the ball game. You get eaten alive. De'Anthony Melton hurt his thigh in this one. Hopefully he'll be back for the next ball game. He's a hold. Kelly Oubre was a guy we were watching to see what his role would be, and then both Nick Batum and Rob Covington got ruled out. I think they both were sick, if I'm remembering right. And so that meant that Oubre got the start. Only took six shots in 29 minutes. That is the magic of playing alongside Embiid and Maxi. You're not going to get that many looks. Uh, Tobias Harris also more looks so that, like, I don't know that starting is necessarily a good thing, but I am, I'm holding Oubre a little bit longer, and I know that this one can be a little bit troublesome from time to time because we don't really know what he's going to be, and he hasn't done very much lately. I just want to give him a little bit longer, if at all possible. I think on our last show I said one more week, and so we're still, you know, five days out on that. 
Tobias Harris is probably a little bit of a buy low. He was a sell high to start the year. Now he's a buy low. So he's going to level off somewhere in between and what it would take. I don't know. I'll have to do a little bit more digging on that front, but he might be on our next buy board. Keep watch on that. Cleveland finding ways to win. No Darius Garland, no Evan Mobley, and no Donovan Mitchell in this ballgame, and they still found a way to win it. Um. Oh, <laughs> I got a, we got a confusion on on timeline here, folks. Picture this nightmare scenario: you're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Guest, a guest for next week. Um... Utah, Cleveland. So there's stuff on both sides of this one. Let's start with Utah. And sometimes I get to a team and I don't really know the right order to work my way through it. So we're just going to go one by one. John Collins, he's a hold. Easy call. Uh, Larry Markinen is back. So that's fine. Walker Kessler's starting. So he's a go. That's good. Kelly Olinick is not. So he's a drop. That's an easy call. Uh, Simona Fontecchio is still starting, but never really was doing enough for it to matter. So no, Colin Sexton is starting and he shoots a lot. So he's a go. I'm good with that. He's not going to do that much besides score, but that that's okay. That's what you're using him for. And then Taylor Horton Tucker is the big one. Uh, THT. This is two good ball games in a row. Yes. It's almost exclusively because Keontae George and Jordan Clarkson are out. Yes, it is fair to say I cannot stand Taylor Horton Tucker's fantasy game. We've been down this road too many times. He's a bad field goal percent guy who gets more credit for certain things than he actually deserves. Then he has these games like the last two 27 points, six assists, and this one was 19 points and 11 assists. He actually had a decent ball game like four games back where he scored 23. It's taken Utah to be without most of their backcourt. Oh, God, I can't even say it without vomiting in my mouth a little bit. But you can probably start THT while he's starting basketball games right now. I think he's going to get enough usage where the good is going to outweigh the bad. Thing is, that could pivot on a dime. He's also on a steals run right now, which is somewhat uncommon for him because he had one steal over his previous four ballgames, and he has 10 over his last four. 
I know it evens out. That's part of the thing. Uh, he also had a five three pointer game mixed in there. Uh, I mean, this is like he played a, a Cleveland team that wasn't really playing any defense in this one. Played a Brooklyn team that had no legs underneath them. There's a lot of reasons to look at this and go, THT is not going to last. The biggest one is that like the two guys that they want in front of him in the in the backcourt are not healthy right now. Uh, but even beyond that. Like, we've seen enough of his fantasy game to know it just doesn't really translate to 9-cat. Points leagues, this is a much easier call. Points leagues, if he's starting, you start him. That's easy. He's streamable on the points league side, for sure. Because bad field goal percent, sometimes bad free throw percent, that stuff doesn't really matter. Turnovers are usually kind of high. That doesn't really matter. Turnovers haven't actually been all that bad this year for him, so grain of salt. Uh, Steals have been better than usual. That's probably a number that actually comes down a tad, but we'll, maybe we'll see. Like, he's not a terrible steals guy. So you're hoping that he can score and assist enough to cover up a lot of the holes. It's basically where we're at on the 9-cat side. And if he's playing 30 minutes a ball game and the ball's in his hand for, like, half the damn game, then, okay, fair enough. Personally, I'm probably not picking up Taylor Horton Tucker. I just... I've seen it enough times to know it doesn't really work out. My child does not understand the concept of a live show. You want to say hi to people, but I can't pause the show right now. I'm in the middle of a live show, meaning it's not over until I'm done. Well, I told you 40 minutes ago I was doing my show and I could not be interrupted to get up and walk away. So you're going to have to find something else to do just until I'm done. I did tell you this might happen, everybody, here on the show. <laughs> All right, we got a long way to go here. So, THT, I'm probably not going to do it. If you want to, it's fine. It's short-term regardless, but it's not for me. Cleveland, getting a lot of questions about Sam Merrill hitting eight three-pointers. Uh, look, like guys run hot and cold. Someone's like, Dan, why aren't you taking the plunge on this? Uh, like, This is a guy who was averaging nine minutes a game before the last couple. He's hit 13 three-pointers in his last two ball games. If you think that rate is going to continue, I have a bridge to sell you. He's Sam Hauser, but his last name is Merrill, and he's on a different team. He won't get to do as much when he cools. He won't get to do as much when Donovan Mitchell's back in there. He won't get to do as much if, say, Max Struess and George Niang are playing a slightly better ball game. There's, no, there's absolutely no reason at all to believe that this is a thing that can continue. He also does nothing besides hit three-pointers. There's no other element to his fantasy game. But he was part of lineups that were winning, largely because he was lava hot and just was bombing it in from downtown. I want to take anything away from Merrill. It was a good ball game for him. He had himself a nice one. But that's what it was. A nice ball game from a guy who we know is not consistently this. Karis LeVert is a go, though. That one we know especially with both star guards out. Frankly, I'm kind of surprised LeVert didn't play more than 27 minutes, but worked out fine. Knicks dominated the Nets, 121-102. You're not picking up Dante DiVincenzo because he does this once a week. Same story for Josh Hart, once a week. Those guys are schedule plays only. We did get word yesterday in the evening that Mitchell Robinson is now out for the season. So Isaiah Hartenstein becomes a very good add. 30 minutes is almost like the basement of what he's going to have to play the rest of the way. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Knicks try to bring in another center that's not Taj Gibson, so, you know, it's not 400 years old. 
Hardenstein's not going to score very much. He only had two points here, but you want him for his defensive stats. You want him for his rebounding. And by and large, he's going to be able to do those things. So just enjoy it because if you picked him up, you got yourself probably now a top 75 range center for the rest of the season. Top 100 probably at the absolute worst. On the net side, just throw it out. They got thumped in this ball game. A couple of guys cleared 30 minutes, but it doesn't really matter. Cam Thomas, we've talked about him a bunch. He's a flip guy while he's warm. He's warm-ish right now. See if you can sell him for top 75. When he gets cold, you buy him for top 100, and you can try to do that four times during a season if you really want to. But overall, this is a game you just want to dump. And there really isn't a lot to take from the next one on the board either. Denver beat Toronto. Nikola Jokic looked more like himself again with better field goal percent. Cool. KCP looks healthy again. Great. There's really nothing to dig into on the Denver side. And frankly, there's not much to dig into on the Toronto side either. They had a bad uh, scoring ball game here other than Scotty Barnes. Gary Trent did get 29 minutes again, but he doesn't get enough shots these days, at least not consistently. Jakob Pertl got schooled by Jokic. He's had low minutes two games in a row. If anything, Pertl's a buy low, but I don't know. What's it going to take? Top 100 to get him right now? It's probably worth it. That's probably the only note on Toronto. So let's get to a game where there's more stuff going on. Atlanta, there's a little bit of stuff going on. Onyeka Okongwu played 33 minutes. Okongwu, 33 minutes off the bench. Capella only 21 in this ballgame, which again does mean that their minutes coincided for a little bit. But again, like, why do why does basically every analyst tell you to hold on to Okongwu all season long? Because this type of stuff happens. There's really nothing else with Atlanta, though. Bogdan Bogdanovich still trucking somehow. For Houston, there were a couple of little notes in this game. First of all, Tari Eason missed this one with a sore knee. That's unfortunate. We, he was really starting to get revved up. That opened up additional minutes for, in this case, it turned out to be Aaron Holiday for whatever reason. Dylan Brooks was in and out of foul trouble again. Uh, Jalen Green is... Not good. And then arguably the biggest note, not that Freddie Van Vliet and Jabari Smith Jr. had giant games. Those are great, but those guys are basically on fantasy rosters. Jabari Smith is around. He's been inside the top 100 for most of the season after like a slow two weeks to begin it. Freddie Van Vliet now is, remember he was hanging around 50, and I just kept saying bye, 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 like an in-sync song. Well, he's number 29 now, so he ain't going to be able to buy on Van Vliet anymore. The note I wanted to bring up on this game is Alperen Sengun at 27 minutes. This was the kind of game that I admittedly was worried about coming into the year, and it's why I didn't draft Sengun in most places, which, I mean, for better or worse, like, I don't know if you want to call that right or wrong right now, because Sengun is doing numbers that we didn't really expect, meaning he's been, I think I'd argue, better than most people expected in points uh, and assists, worse than expected by a lot in free throw percent. He just sort of became like a full punt free throw guy overnight. Uh, but he's playing 32 minutes of ballgame. And so to this point, from that standpoint, I think you call it a big win because he's playing the full minutes. Uh, he's been good enough defensively where his shortcomings weren't impacting his playing time. Until this one. I think all we can really do is hope that the message was sent and that he gets back to trying to learn and improve on that side. But weird things happen in the middle of an NBA season. You know, like, 
guys run out of gas. Defensively, that's harder. The next game we're going to talk about on the Lakers side is kind of that same thing. Like when guys get tired, it's the defense that suffers. So is Shangun a little bit tired? Is a possibility. Are, are a bunch of guys on this team a little bit tired? Is that why the Rockets are slipping and they've lost three games in a row? You could blame fatigue. This is a part of the year where players do get a little wiped out. Then they get the sort of like Christmas, New Year, kind of wakes them up a little bit. And then January is a, a very much a fatigue month for a lot of clubs. And it's the all-star break that kind of gets everybody cooking again. And you see the stretch run, the teams that are trying to make a run, they wake up. We're in the dog days now. So what does that mean going forward? I think it's a wake-up call. I'm not actually nervous yet that Shengun's minutes are in any kind of jeopardy. I don't think this is going to be a consistent thing because he's just so much better than their alternatives offensively. Uh, Jeff Green being the main one. Jock Landale sneaks in every once in a blue moon. But, like, what if Tari Eason was healthy for this game? Would they have just played him at center? I don't know. They would have gotten rocked on the boards. But look, like Jabari Smith Jr. went and got 13 rebounds because he's basically playing some center in this game. So let's hope, certainly, that this was a one-off. Shangun is, by the way, number 63 in 9-cat. Largely because of the free throw thing. If you're punting foul shots, he's been a third rounder. But if his minutes slip at all, that would be reason to worry. Lakers aren't guarding anybody right now. This game was very frustrating to watch as a Laker fan. They were getting blitzed on the glass, specifically early in the game. Uh, and then, basically, once the Bulls saw a bunch of shots go in, he put backs and stuff like that, then there was just there was no stopping them. Like, DeMar was hitting all of his spinning turnarounds from 18 feet away. All the shots in the modern NBA you'd call terrible. They all went down. Io DeSumo hit four three-pointers. Patrick Williams at three, Vooch hit three, Caruso hit three, Bulls hit 18 three-pointers. Lakers were letting guys shoot the three ball that were historically not that great at shooting the three ball, and they all made them. And I feel like, so th this is Dan Vesper's Laker fan looking at it like, what are you doing? But then at the same time, like, DeSumo was shooting, like, 35% from downtown. If you leave these guys completely wide open... They're going to hit shots. And the Lakers are not hustling right now. All that to say, if you've got a fantasy player, probably use them against L.A. You know, that's wise right now. They're on a back-to-back -back in Minnesota. They're exhausted. Minnesota's going to put up a bunch on L.A. tonight. Lakers are going to get trounced. They might want to just rest everybody and call it a night. Take the loss. I know they don't want to lose another one in a row, but good Lord. LeBron continues to be... A cyborg. I, I just, I can't even, I can't even fathom the efficiency he's playing with right now. It doesn't matter, though, because he's got, like, one teammate that can hit a shot. AD turned his ankle again in this ballgame. Austin Reeves is able to hit shots, uh, but teams are starting to target him a little bit more on defense, and he's getting beat up on that end. Torian Prince has been better. And I guess what you could look at here, because D'Angelo Russell has now completely fallen apart. He looks exhausted to me. I mean, watch him moving around the basketball court. He looks like he is straight up in molasses. And it really feels like the Lakers are tired from the in-season tournament. Honestly, you could make a similar argument about the Pacers. I know they clubbed the Hornets yesterday, 
But the Pacers have come out of the in-season tournament looking kind of weary also. When was that game? In-season tournament, that was December 9th. That's 12 days ago already. Pacers beat the Pistons, lost to the Bucks, lost to the Wizards, lost to the Wolves, lost to the Clippers, finally got a win against the Hornets. I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Lakers and Pacers have combined to win two games in the last 12 days. I think playing that extra game, sort of the high energy, it's like coming off of a little mini playoff run. Anyway, Lakers will be fine. They just need some rest. They're not getting it in this one. In the meantime, Torian Prince is probably playable these days. He's knocking down three-pointers. He's getting some defensive stats. They love him. He's playing a lot of minutes. So I think you could actually play him in most formats. For Chicago, uh, Alex Caruso's healthy, so he's a go. Normally when he's a go, uh, DeSumo's a rest. He just happened to have a, a really efficient ball game here. So Io, you're not playing. Kobe White was a... Uh, had a, more of a Kobe White-ish kind of game with some points, boards, and assists, but really little else. He'll be fine. As long as Zach Levine is out, he'll be fine. Caruso's a go. Vooch is a go. DeMar's a go. Patrick Williams is kind of the coin flip guy. You knew against the Lakers it was going to be a better opportunity. Just, you know, you probably can play Williams based on who the Bulls' opponent is. Most of the t- uh, more, I don't want to say most, but more than 50% of the time, Williams is a start. Clippers just keep rolling, man. They shot 56% for this ballgame. I know Dallas can't guard anybody, and without uh, Derek Lively, they really can't guard anybody. So Kawhi, another Mondo game. Norman Powell filling in for Paul George. They had a big game. I know he didn't start. I don't care. I don't care that he didn't start. You just knew he was going to get shots. That's the important part here. James Harden was a little bit cooler from the field, but who cared? 17 points, 11 assists, two blocks, two threes. This team is cruising, man. They are a fantasy goldmine right now. And as far as Dallas goes, Luka Doncic kind of had one of his little, they call it a drunk game, but maybe it's just a being guarded by Kawhi kind of game. Uh, I said I trusted Tim Hardaway Jr. as the streamer of choice, and he was pretty good. He didn't shoot the ball all that well, but he had a bunch of steals and threes and points, and that'll get it done. I said I was kind of 50-50 on Derek Jones Jr. and Dante Exum, and... They played basically 40 minutes apiece, so they ended up with decent lines. What do you do in the next one? I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Like, neither one of those guys really gets rebounds or assists, so you're banking, you're basically praying they shoot 50% or more from the field, hit a three-pointer or two, and get you a steal or two. They did in this ballgame. And, like, lately, they've been good enough... But also, it's so contingent on field goal percent that it kind of makes it hard for me to sort of say full systems go. Like, should we play Derek Jones Jr. right now? Probably. The answer is probably. And Dante Exum, the answer is probably. But a lot of it's because, like, Exum shooting 71% over his last four ball games. That's not going to stick. He doesn't get that many defensive stats or boards or assists. It's all field goal percent right now. Derek Jones at least gets steals, but he doesn't rebound. He doesn't assist. So there's so much tied in like one category apiece for those dudes. That makes me very nervous to play them because if that one category isn't there for two games in a row, then it's a bad, bad week. And then the nightcap, Boston without... Al Horford, but more importantly, without Jason Tatum. 
Blew out Sacramento. They hit 22 three-pointers. <laughs> Kings at 21, by the way, for their own side of things. Uh, but Boston did it on 55% shooting. You're just not going to beat a team when they hit threes at that ridiculous clip. And that happens a lot in the NBA. If you run into a team where they're just shooting like 53% from three and they hit 20 of them, they're going to win. That's the NBA right now. Guard them, don't guard them, whatever. If a team just gets hot from three, they're going to win. You can't keep up with that. Because you can't get any transition opportunities, and three beats two. When Jason Tatum is out, it's usually Al Horford, but he was also out, so that meant Sam Hauser got the start, and he was, meh. Peyton Pritchard had the better game off the bench. You're closing your eyes and you're throwing darts in that spot. I'd rather try to catch him when it's a Horford day, but today was not that day, or yesterday, I guess. And then on the Kings side, only De'Aaron Fox survived this one. Everybody else was pretty darn bad. Just wipe it. Swipe left and keep going. It'll be okay. Uh, let's very quickly take a look at what's coming up tonight on the Thursday board because it's a slightly larger one, so we can just uh, jam through it. Utah, we just talked about. Detroit, can they snap the losing streak? Who is going to be the team that wears it? The indignity of being the team the Pistons win or against for the first time in almost two months. Pistons have lost 24 games in a row. Second worst losing streak in the NBA right now is the Hornets at six. They got a long way to go. Will it be the Utah Jazz? Nobody wants to be that team. So, you know, if you got your Jazz guys, and even THT, because, like, Detroit's so terrible, I think you could pretty much start all of those even the fringy ones. Pistons, I don't care. It seems like it's just Cade and Boyan right now. Pelicans, we're keeping an eye on Herb and Trey Murphy. Cavaliers, we'll keep an eye on whether or not Donovan Mitchell's back for this ball game. But then beyond that, like I think we're pretty well locked in on who's a go. Orlando, Jalen Suggs is questionable if he's out. You're not playing Gary Harris, but you'll get more Cole Anthony. Milwaukee, nothing. Spurs sounds like Wemby should be back, so I think we can probably go back to dropping Zach Collins. Bulls on the back-to-back. -back. This this game has letdown written on it for the Chicago after a Lakers game the previous night. That's not to say that the Bulls are going to lose, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. So maybe a good day to play some extra Spurs, even though you guys know I'm not a huge fan of that stuff. We'll see. Chicago, you can play most of the regulars and a lot of the and the 50-50 guys because the Spurs don't defend very well either. Indy, Memphis, Vegas is expecting 250 points almost in this ballgame, so get them all in there. No, that's not true. We talked about Indy already. For the Grizzlies, uh, Ja, Bain, JJJ is as far as I go there. Clippers, tough back-to-back -back here in Oklahoma City. Um, this, If ever there's a game where the Clippers guys fade a little, this would be the one, but we'll see. Lakers, this is a game where you really want to be careful. This game is already talked... The Lakers post-game talked about how completely exhausted they are from all the travel and the in-season tournament, extra ball games, and the, the highs and the lows. This could be a bad one for Lakers. Just a warning there. And for Minnesota, I'd be worried this game's a blowout. But, yeah, I mean, you got all the regulars in that one. Wizards, uh, this should be competitive. You know, Blazers, they should be able to hang tough. And then for Portland... Um, I guess we'll wait on a Shaden Sharp update. If he's in, I think
think he was questionable last time I looked, but maybe he's been ruled out since then. There have been a bunch of pieces of news that broke over the last half hour that I didn't see. Oh, and then we got a bunch of jazz guys out. Taylor Norton Tucker out. Lowry Markinen out uh, on the second half of the back-to-back. Um, this is all breaking while I've been talking here. DeAnthony Melton didn't practice. Nick Batum didn't practice. Miles Turner is questionable. Jalen Smith is questionable. Andrew Nemhart is questionable. Donovan Mitchell has been ruled out. So we got a whole bunch of stuff that broke while on air. Okay, that changes things a little bit. So Cavaliers, I guess then if you wanted to go Sam Merrill in that Cavs game and hope he hits four more three-pointers, you could. No Donovan Mitchell means there's a chance. I'm still probably not doing it. For Utah, with all of these guys out on the back-to-back, they really could be the team that loses to the Pistons. Uh, but no THT and no Markinen mean you probably could consider Fontecchio. You might see Kelly Olynyk get moved back into the starting five to get a little more ball movement and scoring. We'll see what their lineup looks like. But I got to think John Collins and Colin Sexton, John Collins Sexton, thank you, Wheel of Fortune, uh, probably will be putting up some pretty good numbers. Uh, and again, going back to that late ball game, I, I don't see anything on Shaden Sharp in the last half hour, but keep an eye on that. If he's in, you may want to be a little bit nervous about a Malcolm Brogdon play. If he's out, Brogdon should see 25 to 30 minutes, and then he ought to be able to do enough, along with Aiton and Anthony Simons. And then Portland has had Matisse Thibel on a pretty good steals run lately, so if that's kind of the direction you need to take your team, have at it. All righty then. Alrighty then, this is show number two, so we're not going to be doing too much more. I did get a question here from Dr. President. When have you been announcing your prize winners on X slash Twitter? Do you message them privately? Have we not announced yet? We haven't announced yet. This will be running all week. Uh, it's a very easy one. Go find me on Twitter. Again, at Dan Bespris. We are running a contest this week. All you have to do is retweet one particular tweet to enter. And you also have to be following our news feed, Ethos Fantasy BK. And then you're in. And if you win, you win free months of Sports Ethos Premium stuff, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, wagering, DFS. It'll be your choice on that. If you already have one, you can get a different one for free. It's going to be a cool contest. We'll be drawing winners, I'm thinking Christmas, maybe kind of like a fun Christmas gift. That seems reasonable. Uh, we have like 120 people that are in it so far, but that number could be a lot higher. I have to remember to go find it, and I'll quote tweet it out of the various Sports Ethos accounts, my own, so that you guys can remember to see it. Uh, but we've got that going on. I want to see if I'm, am I, am I good enough to this that am I good enough at this to actually go find the tweet while talking on air? Probably not. We'll do some humming. We'll do some humming. We'll scroll backwards through all the crap that Dan said. Oh, you know what? I did find it. Good for me. All right, I'm going to quote tweet it right now. This is the tweet to win prizes. Bingo, bango. It's been quote tweeted, and I'm going to put it up on the screen, and I'm going to put the link in the chat room if you guys want to enter that way. So there's all these delightful ways that I can show this to you. Those, unfortunately, that are listening to the show are going to have to go find it on their own. But there it is. Prizes, prizes, prizes. That's the tweet you're looking for. Um, find that one and uh, retweet it, and follow Ethos Fantasy BK. You can see that on your screen as well. And that's how you enter the contest to win. I'm giving away 10 Sports Ethos Premium memberships. And again, right now, 124 people are entered. So at the moment, you have like almost a 10% chance of, of coming away with it, like an 8 to 9% chance. So enter. You got a great shot. 
All right, I'm going to put that away now. Um, there's the link on the screen. Um, I think we're about done. So you guys know the drill. Like, rate, subscribe on your way out. Please do retweet something on social. Whatever you can do to help continue to spread the word is much appreciated. Have an enjoyable rest of your Thursday. Go set those lineups. Let's have a little fun. Let's keep trying to pull winners out of the sky. And, uh, of course, tomorrow we'll have our big week in review show at some point. I have no idea what time of day that show is going to go because tomorrow none of my kids have anything going on other than being trapped here at home. That's it. I'm at Dan Bespris. My full name is just Dan Bespris. If you put an ad in front of it, you can find me on social. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. Fantasy NBA Today out. Later, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.